0: you please join me in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. I'd like to start in the very first verse. Start reading to you here. Incredibly wonderful passage. Luke 24 starts in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, They came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Gracious Father, again, we have the privilege to have your word opened up in front of us. We can see this that is recorded. And we are blessed people, not only because we have your word, but also as we read it, uh, your Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and teaches us from this word. It is living. It is active. And it accomplishes everything you set out for it to do. And our Savior is living and even now interceding on our behalf. The power of God is great. And it's testified too by this resurrection that we celebrate here today. So as we open up your word today, as we put ourselves in this scene from so many years ago, remind us again of how great you are and what you have done that we may remember, and that we may also worship you as we ought to, may this be something that warms our heart because we have spent time with you. I pray this today in Jesus name, Amen. This is such an exciting day of the calendar we We set aside two days to celebrate, especially in the church calendar we like Christmas. We like Easter, and we had both this morning, sort of, a little white Easter. How often do we say that? But what a what a great celebration. You know, for 2,000 years, practically, uh, the believer has shouted, He is risen. And this will not be the last time either. For when I read in Scripture we have this picture of eternity set before us and there we will be with that living one that we celebrate today the one who's told John at one time I was dead but behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and Hades so there's something exciting about a a resurrection right? of course there is wake up and said, boy, we might need one here this morning. There's something great about a sunrise, though there's no sun. These kind of things are are like freshness to us, I guess. Uh, They come like a new start, don't they? Some people uh, like mornings especially, because it's a new start for a day, and and maybe you're not a morning person, but those who are, they just can't wait. To It's kind of like the starting gun goes off. They're excited about their day, and they, they face it with enthusiasm. They sometimes might have that bright cheerfulness on their face. They might uh, uh, just seem happy with the expressions that uh, say I'm ready to encounter what the Lord has for me this day how often do we wake up and say this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it well this excitement that we talk about here this morning we like to transfer it back to that first Sunday don't we On that Easter morning, we we tend to think that maybe the ladies were excited as they approached uh, this morning. We applaud them, at least for being eager. They were out early, according to our text we just read in verse number one. And on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came. Now, if you read John's gospel, you would say it was still dark. It was that early that they had approached the tomb. And so, in one sense, we would commend these ladies for being out so early. After all, where's the other disciples? Where are they that morning? We don't have uh, exact locations for all of them. Some, and some of the gospel accounts have them in their homes and, and in different places. And some, as Luke would record, later in the morning or early day, they start to travel to Emmaus. And then some, later we know, were gathered together and even locked in the room for fear of the Jews. So we have some interesting accounts for all these other people, but it was the ladies who came to the tomb first thing in the morning. Doesn't appear that anybody else anticipated that. So we commend them. We commend them in that for being early, like being first in line. Always oh, think there's a reward for that, right? Uh, like those early to a sale. Like those who come 30 minutes before the service. We commend people like that, don't we? Because they're eager, they're excited. But before we paint the scene that would suggest they knew what was happening, let's go back to Luke chapter 24 and see why they were there. It says they were bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, honestly, this is a deflation to our excitement. When you put yourselves in their sandals as they approached that cemetery that morning, they came early, but they came so that they could prepare a body for burial. They came to find a dead man. That's what they expected. Like all the other tombs there that were carved out of the rock, each occupying a departed loved one. That's why they were there. Now, we know that they had been told he would rise again, right? We know that was true. Yet they came that morning expecting to find a dead man. And we smile a little bit as we start this part of the story because we know what's about to happen. Kind of like those are part of a surprise party, waiting for that unexpected uh, birthday person to walk into the room and, Surprise! You know, we're we're waiting for that moment, aren't we? Because they don't have a clue as to what's going on, and we're just waiting to jump out. Now, I picture this scene as a group of ladies showing up early, without smiles on their face. I don't know what picture you have, but it's likely we might see a tired expression, a a depressed, defeated expression, maybe grief etched into their appearance, their their eyes swollen and red for lack of sleep and for weeping. I want to take you back this morning uh, several days before this first day of the week. And I'm going to give to you a chronology that uh, might be quite different than what you're accustomed to, to be honest. Uh, someday, if you ask me, I'll explain it more thoroughly. But for this morning, uh, I'm going to disregard the fact that the church declared Friday uh, as a crucifixion day. All right? I'm just going to set that to the side because... Uh, uh, As to the day of crucifixion, I think there is a better order that matches scripture, much more accurate. But this is the rendering I will give to you as we start. Go back to a Tuesday morning. A Tuesday morning. The disciples are with Jesus and very much surprised that he intended to celebrate the Passover with them a day early. He told them to go and prepare a room, if you recall, so that he might... uh, share the Passover with them, and they went to this upper room to make it all ready. But maybe it wasn't, uh, though a a bit of a surprise, maybe it wasn't unwelcomed as much, because they thought, well, we can at least have a Passover meal with Jesus tonight, and then tomorrow night we'll be home with our family on the Passover, and that would be just as well. Uh, Tell me you've never done that with Easter or Christmas before moved it just one day here or there just to meet family obligations. I don't know if that's the precise reason for all these things, but nevertheless, that Tuesday morning they were preparing an upper room, and that Tuesday evening they gathered together right there about 6 o'clock p.m. to share the meal. Now, according to the gospel records, they came into that room bickering, arguing, they had just had a conversation as to who was the greatest. That always goes over well just before a meal. But they had, had walked in, or maybe even rushed in, with the hope of getting the choice seats around the table. Who can sit closest to Jesus? And, and of course, you know what they forgot to do. They didn't take the time to wash their feet. No one washed any feet, feet, except Jesus. And you know how that story went. He works his way around the room as he's washing feet and he comes up to Peter. Peter puts up his protest. He doesn't want his feet washed by Jesus, but we know eventually he does give in and he allows the washing. Then Jesus works his way back to his place there at the table. He begins to speak to his disciples about their love for one another. <laughs> I can only picture that as a very awkward and embarrassing moment for them in light of what they had just been doing. But he speaks to them about those things and he talks to them about his his future stay with them, how he was actually leaving and he was going to prepare a place for them. And this wave of shock went through the room and, and some demanded even that they go with him now as he goes. But he promised to comfort her instead and, and explained that he would soon die and that the very traitor was sitting at the table. Now that's a very unexpected meal conversation. Perhaps even more unexpected, I would think, was that after this meal and their stomachs were full and the day had long expired, Jesus uh, desired to go over to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, to have a prayer meeting. And they went along and they followed, but you know they couldn't stay awake. He found them asleep so many times. And moments later, the garden was ablaze with torches. Sound of military armor rattling as the guards came forward and confronted Jesus. And Judas kissed him and he was arrested taken by the guards into the city for a trial. We have record that the disciples ran for their lives. Some of them were willing after they ran to turn around and come back and try to keep a distance, but they followed behind as Jesus was led into the place of trial. But as for the others, have you ever thought where they might have gone? would they have run down the street to the home of some of the women? What a surprise that would be. For as far as the women would have known, there was a meal prepared and the disciples were going to be gathered together, but now this frantic pounding on the door and this loud voice saying, He's been arrested! He's been arrested. What a a shock would go through your heart to hear that. How would you have slept after that? Knowing that he had been arrested. You had to wait to hear the report. What's happening? What's happening? So we moved to an early Wednesday morning. And the typical Jewish woman on this morning was busy. Very busy in her house because it was a preparation for the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which would last seven days. And this was the day to make sure all the leaven was out of the house. And they went and scrubbed every nook and cranny they could find to clean all the leaven out of this house. And there were vegetables to prepare and and that uh, wonderful anticipation of roasting lamb and the family gathering together and the children, how excited they got! This is to them what Christmas is to us—the excitement of it, because they would gather together in the home of their family and they would they would sing and they'd play games and they'd share this great meal together, and they anticipated a very uh, wonderful evening. It was a holiday there's a holiday but these ladies here this morning start with alarm they start with piercing news jesus had been condemned somebody says jesus was whipped with uh, beaten with whips somebody said that He's being led right now down the street to Golgotha, the place of the skull. They are going to execute him. Tragedy on a holiday. All the din of the moment is replaced with shock. There'll be no celebration today. A horrible Wednesday has just started. A horrible Wednesday. Some of them followed to the place where he was put upon a cross. And there they stood. Very long vigil. Watching his body hang there in pain. As the soldiers did their execution duty. The the ladies watched for hours. They watched him die. They, They watched him taken down from the cross. And they watched him wrapped hurriedly and carried off to a tomb, and they followed behind. Now it's 6 p.m. 6 p.m. We call that Wednesday evening. They call that the first part of Thursday. Their calendar is set up. that Six o'clock at night starts the next day. And it's Thursday now. Six o'clock p.m. The Passover Sabbath meal has just begun throughout the the city of Jerusalem in the land of Israel, the same chief priests who had just witnessed a crucifixion were at home with their wives and their family enjoying a meal and laughing and singing. The same Pharisees that had called for his crucifixion were at home with their families, with their children, celebrating the Sadducees. That crowd. All the rest was finished. They, they had gone home to, to move on to the next event. It was a day of celebration. And they were all around a table laughing, singing. But these ladies went home heartbroken. Who could eat? Who could sing? They sat, I picture them with empty expressions that disbelief like this could not have been real Thursday was to be the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread it was a high Sabbath day and of course you understand that Sabbath days are days when you're not allowed to work right? well with the start of most of the holidays in the Jewish calendar those were Sabbath days too They were not to work. And so this Thursday morning, as we would call it, as they would wake up, uh, if they even slept at all, must have been a torturous day for them. For they were not able to work. They were not capable of doing anything that we would normally say distracts them for a few moments. They had to sit. Others would celebrate, but they sat. The day went through, and the clock must have moved very slowly. Six o'clock p.m. came along again, and a start of a Friday, and there was a sense of relief, I think, to at least be able to get back into the kitchen a bit, a little bit, to do with your hands, if nothing else, to, to distract you. But they suddenly start to discuss, and perhaps they had gathered together, and discussed this very fact that, you know, when they buried him, they didn't do it completely. There's more that has to be done yet in order to have his body prepared for the tomb. And they had decided that they needed to prepare spices. So they discussed this fact, and here it is. It's 6 o'clock p.m. and beyond. There's no place to go out and buy spices. They might have searched through their houses and such, but who actually keeps that stuff on, on hand? Spices for burial. This was so unexpected. They wouldn't have even prepared themselves for such a thing. So I would sense that they resolved that they would go the first chance they get out to the marketplace and to buy spices and bring it back and, and get together and prepare these spices. As soon as they can get out was that morning of Friday. Very early, I would assume, because that seems to be their pattern here. They hurry off to purchase what they need. Now, there's not a lot lot of time in the day to do this, but as they get the spices together and they spend the day preparing them, they are mindful of the clock. The clock is ticking towards 6 o'clock, and 6 o'clock p.m. is the start of the Saturday Sabbath. And they're not allowed to work again. So they rushed as quickly as they can to prepare what they could for the next day would be a long one too. Somebody might have been counting as they were there preparing and saying, now let's see, three full days and three full nights in a tomb. Three full days and three full nights. Uh, We can't afford to let a single day slot slip by now we have to have this ready we have to have the spices packed prepared set in their containers over by the door first thing in the morning come Sunday we need to get out this door we need to get to that tomb we need to get this body prepared before the sun comes up because, before it becomes a factor due to heat so they come to the tomb very early on the first day of the week They came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the entrance. When they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood beside them in dazzling clothing, and the women were terrified (laughs) you would be too. And they bowed their faces to the ground. And these men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. I could see him point right to the place. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he had spoken to you when he was still in Galilee? Saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and they returned from the tomb and reported these things to the eleven and to all the rest. I always find that question that the angel said to be such a fascinating thing to explore. He says, Remember what he had said? Remember what he has said? They forgot. They forgot. The disciples forgot. (laughs) They all forgot. Now, let's not blame their forgetfulness too quickly because we do it too. How often have we been distracted by the moment of something big that we forgot something we had to remember? The whole course of their life had been altered by a tragedy and they forgot. But actually, if we read through this text and we go into John and the other gospel accounts, we'd find there was more than just forgetfulness here at work. There was despair. And there was disbelief. It was as if they had packed up all the doctrines and all the dreams. They seem pointless now that Jesus was dead. All of His words... All of His promises, all of His miracles, they were all piled in a tomb behind a large stone. All the claims of Christ seem to have been forfeited by a cross. And then there's verse 8. I love verse 8. And they remembered. What a beautiful sentence that is. Three simple words. And they remembered. And they remembered. You know, it's kind of like that light bulb that clicks on and you say, Oh! They were in that daze. They were in that uh, fog that comes with death and all the rest. And this is the point of recognition. They remembered His words. I find that verse Even 9 is so refreshing when it says, and they returned from the tomb. (laughs) There was nothing else they needed there. That tomb didn't mean a thing any longer. The tomb was about death. They walked away, didn't they? They walked away from that place. They returned from the tomb. The fact is, we don't need to visit the tomb anymore, do we? We don't have to go there as if this was a memorial day. He is not there. That's the point. He is not there. He has risen, as He said. As He said. Now, there is something exciting about the sun rising. huh? Something exciting about the sun rising. For nearly 2,000 years, The believer in Christ has shouted that news. He is risen. He is risen. And we still say that, don't we? And that we will be able to enjoy for all the years to come as well. I long for that day when we shall stand before the one who is the living one. They say we'll see the marks in his hands and in His feet? I don't know. Quite possibly. But we will see Him in all His glory. And we will stand before that One who lived and died and lived again for us. We will see the One who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live These ladies came to a huge surprise that day. And I would venture to guess that this morning none of you are surprised that this is what we celebrate today. Jesus Christ risen from the dead. We meet on a day like this to bring that to our attention. For many of us who know Christ as Savior, this is the high day of the year when we think of what He has done, how He had risen indeed, and and we rejoice in that because that belief in a risen Savior has brought us to life in Christ. There might be some this morning, though, who found this news to be quite a surprise. They didn't know that Jesus Christ had actually risen from the dead. They didn't know that He called for them to believe that He's the resurrection and the life. This morning, that same invitation is given to us. Once again, I repeat just what it says in Scripture. He he calls, called Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And so I ask you, do you believe this too? Do you know the risen Savior? You can't know Him today. And what better day to start life in Christ than on the day that He rose from the dead? You can call to Him. Scripture says, all who call upon Him shall be saved. I hope and pray that if you don't know Christ as Savior today, this will be the time. This will be the moment. If you wonder if God is able to do it, look to an empty tomb. I read this morning that with God is all power. And He will change your life. He will change your life. Heavenly Father, you know every single heart and soul in this room. You know where they stand with you. You know whether or not they believe or they don't. For there's no middle ground. And this morning, for the many who are here that know Christ as Savior, we come before you rejoicing today in that we have a risen Savior. And when we hear the story again and again and again, and we never get tired of it, for it speaks of a a moment of victory. And it speaks of our Savior in all His power and all His glory being victorious over death. He has promised to us eternal life and He's proven it by ever living and ever interceding on our behalf. So, For many of us today, we have met here to worship, and to celebrate, and to thank you. But there might be some among us today who have never known Christ as Savior. They did not realize that this event is true, or that this event had anything to do with their own life. But it is true, for you have called us to believe us to believe You. You have called us to put our trust and faith in You. You have said that we must be saved. And I pray, Lord, if there's somebody even among us right now who needs to know Christ as Savior, do that great work that You do and draw them to Yourself. May they understand who Christ is and, and believe Him with all their heart. Thank You, Lord, for what You have done. We rejoice in the resurrection of our Savior. We give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, Amen.